0: Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: All right, Rick, pop quiz, how many days until the draft? 31 days until the draft. 31 days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 30. I'm Ryan Wilson. That was Rick Spielman that you heard there, our general manager. More than 30 years of NFL experience, including 17 years in the Vikings front office, including a decade as the general manager. Today. Getting the band back together, Rick, we got CBS Sports Draft analyst Josh Edwards joining us. We saw Josh last week at Ohio State and Kentucky for the Pro Days, and today we're talking about this wide receiver class.
2: Just so I know, Josh did not break the rules at Ohio State, but he did break the rules at <laughs> That's Kentucky. Right. That's right. <laughs> no, nobody needed to know that. <laughs> oh, we're not supposed to say this stuff on the air? <laughs> that You had a media pass, and fortunately you didn't go through us, and we would have had a uh, official's pass, but... You decided to do things on your own, and uh, that's how things work around here.
3: I, I learn from the best. You know, I I look at my environment, look at those that I'm with, and just follow their lead. That's yeah. not Don't
2: good break advice. do the button. rules because Ryan gets very upset if you're going to break the rules on him, and he just, I said, just Ryan, act like you know what you're doing and just keep walking with me, and I'll get you
1: there. This is true. It, the, both things that Rick just said are true. By the way, if you're listening to the podcast, I encourage you to watch on CBS, or excuse me, on YouTube.com slash NFL on CBS, because you can actually see Josh Edwards, grown man blushing when Rick called him out. Uh, Also stick around because in addition to talking wide receivers today, Rick's going to give us his top 10 wide receivers from the last five draft classes. A little spoiler alert, Jackson Smith and Jake, made the list. Who else made the list? Hang around and find out. All right. Speaking of pro days yesterday, we did the pro day recap podcast. And Rick and I talked about our whirlwind week that began with uh, in Columbus, Ohio, where Josh was following the rules. Saw CJ Stroud, then with the Tuscaloosa for Bryce. And then finally, we're in Lexington, where we caught up with Josh again, and he was breaking all sorts of rules to watch Will Levis. And that episode's in the feed if you missed it. And a reminder, the with the pick, the with the first pick, excuse me, RV is making its way to Gainesville this Thursday. Me and Rick will be doing an immediate reaction podcast following Anthony Richardson's Pro Day workout, so look for that. As always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS, and be sure to subscribe, leave a comment, and hey, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and look, We know you're on text threads about the draft with your buddies. Tell them to listen to with the first pick. And finally, Saturday on CBS, the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship Road to the Final Four reaches its final destination in Houston. Coverage of the semifinal game begins at 3 Eastern with at the Final Four and the Final Four show and leading up to tip off at 6 when Florida Atlantic, good old FAU, faces San Diego State, followed by Miami clashing with UConn the NCAA men's final four national semifinals Saturday on CBS. Well, Jim Nance impression for you there. I think that's probably an F minus, but that, that's that okay. Was, yeah, that was horrible. That yes. wasn't good. No. And by the way, if you want to hear something horrible, Josh and Debo, get Rick Spielman to do his British accent. That a little will, bit
2: of sticky wiggle in today.
1: <laughs> I mean, sweet mercy alive. That is, that is a recipe for poking pins in your ears so you can't hear him do that anymore that was that was that's a lot of fun to do on a two-hour car ride just have him speaking in a british accent for two hours all right let's talk wide receivers guys it'll,
2: it'll make you go back to the puppy real quick
1: <laughs> yeah go back to the uh with the first pick new addition to our family this puppy that i have that's uh i'm not getting as much sleep as i would like to i'll be honest with you all right so let's talk about this wide receivers class Based on the last few classes, and Rick will talk about this later in the podcast when he does his comparisons over the last five drafts, this wide receiver class isn't as deep, but there are certainly some players. And before we get to our top five, let's start with some sleepers. And by sleepers, I mean guys that probably fans may not be familiar with unless they're fans of that particular college or they're really deep into the draft covers. But for a lot of folks that are coming from the NFL and their team needs a wide receiver, they know the top five or six guys. But uh, Josh... Give me a name of someone that people should be looking out for if their team drafts this young man on April 27th through the 29th.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with Princeton wide receiver Andre Yoshivas, um, a player that was highly productive during his time in the Ivy League. I thought he ran really well at the combine, 4-4-3 in the 40-yard dash. thought he looked really good in the on-field portion of the combine as well, so it's not like he's just this athletic specimen that does not translate to the football field. I think he's somebody that – in an ideal situation, he steps in as a third outlet uh, for a team possibly like the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, um, the Seahawks as well. One of those types of teams where he's not going to be the focal points early, but a player that has all the athletic skill sets that you look for and hope that he can develop into something more throughout his career.
1: So he was also at the Senior Bowl. Rick and I saw him there. 6'2 and seven eights. Rick, 212 pounds of the combine. Do you care about hand size or wide receivers, Rick? A little
2: bit, but uh, usually the smaller hand receivers end up doing a lot more body catching just to secure the catch than what we refer to as natural snatch and pluck type hands where they extend away from their body. So smaller handed receivers are usually the ones that are going to do more body catching.
1: So you is eight and five eighths inch hands, which are small hands by quarterback standards. How do they, how do you feel about that for a wide that's receiver Small
2: hands for a receiver for his size? Now yeah. he was a little, one of the little uh, slots that we've talked about that's different, but for a big receiver, that's a pretty small hands. Not that he's not going to be a good player, but if you're at this time of year and then you're in your draft meetings, usually you're poking holes and everything you can about uh, all these players.
1: Yeah. Two time hepto- heptathlon, excuse me, uh, so, you know, he's athletic in terms of NCAA. He went to Princeton. He didn't and- drop
2: the javelin, did he, Josh? Because with those small, tiny hands are- <laughs> or discus or
3: are- anything <laughs> I don't believe that was an issue. No, I didn't see that on film.
1: <laughs> uh, our buddy Emery Hunt is uh, listening live, and he says, I need to sit up straight. So, there, I'll sit up straight for you, Emory. Um, thank you for that. That's it. literally we've been doing this podcast for three months, and that's the only comment that, that Devo's <laughs> yeah. ever put into the chat. I go back and read the comments. Oh, that would have been good. With we all
2: respect all the hard work and energy you put into this podcast, Ryan, as the quarterback of this podcast. We're just here to support you any way we can.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a quarterback that you plan to put out the pass as soon as the season's over. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to support you until week 17, and then it's hit the bricks time. Josh, what do you think about a, a draft range for uh, your show boss? and I'll tell you where, where I had him going.
3: Yeah, I think you're probably looking at uh early day three. Maybe he slips into late day two at this point. I think that's probably the range that, that he's looking at, even though I think the skill set, the athletic traits kind of warrants maybe a little bit earlier consideration.
1: I had him um fifth round range, Rick. And I thought of the senior bowl he was he was okay. Wasn't didn't blow the doors off, didn't hurt himself, I didn't think. Uh where where are you on, on your show, boss?
2: He blended in. Down at the senior bowl, I thought nothing that really stood out. Uh, I know he's a great athlete and he can run well enough for his size, even though he has tiny hands. Um, (laughs) But he he didn't really pop out to me down at the senior bowl watching him in the practices. But he would be a good Saturday pick for someone to take an opportunity to take a chance on an athlete with this size.
1: So when you, he's an FCS player cause he played at Princeton and, and when you're sitting in the draft, man, he's this time of year and he went to the senior bowl and blended in, didn't stick out, didn't hurt himself. That weighs in the evaluation I would imagine because he's not playing against SEC or big 10 cornerbacks every week.
2: No, he's playing against what school did you go to?
1: James, William and Mary.
2: Madison, William and Mary. They're all the same. They're all blending <laughs> together over there in the
1: East. <laughs>
2: <So>. <laughs> Josh, where did you go to school?
3: Went to Ohio University uh, and then Xavier for my master's. So uh, I had a much better chance of playing football for Xavier, considering they don't have a football team, uh, <laughs> than I did at Ohio University. Bob, Bobcats? That's right.
1: How about that, uh, Rick? Uh, Josh got in the old, uh, I went to graduate school flex. Uh, oh, there, there we I'm
2: go. Correct. Okay, there, tough guy. Let me, let me put all my
3: degrees up <laughs> on the no, back of the wall couple of Ohio guys, we got to stick together when we're talking yeah, Rick. about a uh, oh, company right. northerners like Ryan here.
1: Northerner, look <laughs> up in North Carolina.
3: <laughs> well, you're a northerner now.
1: All right, Rick, your guy, another guy at the senior bowl who I thought had actually flashed a little more than your show boss did. Jaden Reed, uh, Michigan State wide receiver, who I'll double check, but he he blazed a good time. 4 yeah, 4 5. Played-
2: yeah, he ran well at the Combine. I thought he, he was one of the guys that did stick out down at the Senior Bowl. When you watch the tape on him, uh, he's a very good route runner, especially short and intermediate. I didn't see the time speed on tape. I thought he was slower than what he ran. He's not consistent going up to get the 50-50 ball, but he does a, do a great job with the ball in his hands after the catch. He's very elusive. He can make plays in space. Uh, biggest other negative is that he has a few concentration drops at times that need to get cleaned up. But I think this kid's going to carve himself out a role as a third slot receiver and potential returner.
1: So I had him going around earlier than Yoshov show. It's like fourth round early Saturday. How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, I feel good about that. Because I respect everything you do, all the hard work you put into this, of course I would respect that.
1: <laughs> Josh, you do you respect that, you, or do you feel different? Yeah,
3: you ways? get a little returnability with him as well, so you get a little bit more versatility out of a pick like Jaden Reed.
1: All right, there we go. This is a quite. This is a very happy podcast today. I love it. And my my defenses are low dealing with this puppy, so that's good. I don't have the the wherewithal to to fight off all the negativity that I sometimes have coming my way. I won't name names, Josh. So Josh. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's right. All right. My sleeper, and this guy really isn't a sleeper if you follow college football, but maybe if you don't college fo- follow college football, you, would, you wouldn't know the name. I'll give you two names. The first one was Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, who is electric. And Rick, you were watching him over the weekend or last week, and you thought he was a little stiff. I didn't see the same stiffness you saw at times. I thought he was pretty electric with the ball in his hands. Oddly enough, and I'll double check, I think he's five, I think he, he measured five, eleven, 185 at the combine, ran a four, four, four. I think he plays to that speed but he lined up primarily outside. And I thought that was interesting because you would like to see him move around at the next level, given his size. He, um, where is he? There he is. And he does have some, Oh, actually let's see. No, he doesn't have any return ability. I was checking my notes to so double check here. So he had six kick returns in his career, no punt returns. So you don't get that added element. I suppose you could try him at it. Uh, once it gets around to, um, OTAs, but that's, you know, that's a gamble, but I do like the way he plays. I like the speed at which he plays. He continuously eats up cushion. He continuously stacks cornerbacks down the field. He's not a huge target, but he made a, enough contested catches for for my liking. And I had him actually as a as a middle day two guy. I don't know how you guys feel at Tyler Scott, Josh. What do you think?
3: Yeah, that's about the range I have him as well. He actually did do some punt returning, some kick returning at his pro day. Oh, good. Um, so he's being explored in that avenue a little bit more, but. I thought he did a really good job with his route running. I thought you saw his ability to sink his hips, um, explode into his route when he um, you know, was at his pro day. I, I saw all of that on film, but when you saw him at his pro day, it's just a little bit easier to envision what he could be at the next level. So I think he's really good at the route stem. I think he does a great job of creating separation, and I was pretty comfortable with what I saw in terms of him being a possible day two pick.
1: So, Rick, when you see someone that's 5'11", 185, doesn't have much in the way of, on field returnability during their college career, but tried it at the pro day and they play primarily outside. What are your concerns?
2: Yeah. The biggest concern I had with him was that when I charted his drops, they were all at the belt or lower. So anytime mm. he had to just blow his waist is when he had all those drops. I thought he tracked the ball deep very well. Uh, I think he's just okay in 50, 50 contested situations but there's no question this guy blows by people on the tape, and someone's going to fall in love with that speed. And he's going to be a legit vertical threat at the next level. When you look at, well, this guy hasn't done returns, the first place you want to put him at is as a kickoff returner because that's easy to catch. You don't have people breathing down your neck. And if you can get this kid to get it upfield and hit a seam, he has a chance to take it to the distance, take it to the distance every time he touches a ball. Punt return is a little more difficult because that is a situation where you feel people around you. Uh, Guys have a tendency to take longer, if they can do it at all, to try to become a punt returner because you have to be – it's pretty natural at catching that ball and knowing you're probably going to get whacked uh, after you catch the ball. But I can see him more as a team looking with that speed and the way he puts his foot in the ground and gets upfield. Hitting a seam and uh, being a potential kickoff returner,
1: and at Cincinnati, it's hard to get in on the kick returns because you have Trey Tucker there, who is also at the Senior Bowl and who will also get drafted, and who's a very good player. He's undersized, uh, but we'll talk about him at some point in the process, I'm sure, or talk about him again. I know we talked about him during the Senior Bowl. Uh, another name I want to mention quickly: Matt Landers out of Arkansas, 6'4", 199 <laughs> This dude ran a four three seven combine. Now he didn't play that fast, but he he's long legged, deep threat, and Great at contested catches, not a precise route runner. I think that's something that he needs to work on. And, uh, but it's hard to get away from the fact that he ran the four, three, seven and you see flashes of that on tape in terms of him running by people. He'll also be 24 in a few months. And he's a little older on the older side a six year senior, but I had him as a middle of the day, three guy. And, Rick, you see the four three seven, you see the 6-4 frame, you see him running by people with contested catches. Those are all things that would get your attention. And if he struggles or he's not a precise route runner, are you okay with that if your wide receivers coach is okay with it?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're going to work this kid out. You're going to see how stiff he is in his hips. But it is a vertical threat. Someone will take a flyer on him. I don't think in the middle of Saturday. I think he's a late-day okay. or a priority-free agent. Um, but someone will take a swing on the kid because of the size and the speed.
1: What would you think, Josh? Did you get a chance to see? You must have seen him. You've seen like 600 guys.
3: No, he's actually one that I have not watched yet. So I'm going to stay in my own lane here. Yeah.
1: Look at that. Finally, I found one guy that you hadn't seen that I had seen. All right. Those are our sleepers. And if you're uh, listening after the fact or watching on YouTube, leave a comment about the sleepers of guys that we haven't talked about that perhaps maybe we should. I would imagine that between the three of us, we've seen them. And um, we'll try to get back around to them before the draft, which is in how many days, Rick?
2: 31 days before the NFL draft.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We're going to do our top five, but first we're going to take a quick break. So we'll be back right after this.
0: eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive. That's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: So it's Final Four weekend coming up, Saturday, Monday, and then the Masters and then the draft. Rick, in your many travels as an NFL executive, have you ever had the occasion to play Augusta National?
2: I have never had the ability to play augusta national after they seen my swing but i did go in the 1990s when i was a Blesto scout working uh in the spring for the upcoming draft uh i did get an opportunity to go watch the masters and it tell,
1: was- tell me the year and i'll tell you one. oh uh, are you a big golf fan i used to be like i i have a gap in my historical i just
2: remember knowledge. fuzzy zeller i remember john daly was in his prime uh, those guys were, uh, lighting up some heaters walking up and down the fairways, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think they do anymore.
1: Today. Yeah. I don't know if you do that anymore. That's right. So Tiger won in 97, 98 was Marco Mira. I have to go back and look. I, that may have been prior to 97. Does it sound yeah, like this was,
2: this was the early nineties,
1: early nineties, Freddie couples, won. Freddie couples may have won in 90. When was that early? In the turn of the century was a Nick Fowler, Greg Norman meltdown, like 1990. So anyway, Masters are coming on CBS April. Look for it. Let's get back to these top five wide receivers. I've talked myself down a cul-de-sac that I cannot not get out of, so I'm just going to run it's into the woods. usually
2: referred to as a rabbit hole. A that rabbit hole, been.
1: yeah. All right. Top five wide receivers. So here's how we're going to do it. We each sent Debo our top five guys. They're not all the same. And Debo came out with the Debo rankings to, to rank these guys. And I'll let you know how each of us had these players ranked before we have our consensus pick. So at number five, from Tennessee, one pony, Mike Wallace, Jalen Hyatt. Jaylen, uh, Mike Wallace is my comp. That's not the comp that we're going with. Um, Rick had Jalen ranked fifth. I also had him ranked fifth. Josh, you had Jalen unranked. Where is he in your rankings of of wide receivers after the top five? Do you know?
3: He's like number seven, I think. I think okay. I have Josh Downs and then, and then Hyatt.
1: Fair enough. No, that's not bad. And just so just, uh, you mentioned Josh Downs, another name that just missed the the top five conversation, Mark, Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, who's a similar type player to Josh Downs. Those guys, as Rick likes to say, will be clustered together when we get to that portion of the pre-draft evaluation. Um, neither guy made this conversation. Both guys are going to get drafted on day two, and both guys probably going to be really good. But Jalen Hyatt, Rick, we'll start with you. We talked to him at the Combine. Season opportunity when a player was injured to make the most of his 2022 season. You see those 15 touchdowns if you're watching on YouTube. Tied for second somehow in the FBS. I don't know who number one was. But your concern, maybe it's less of a concern, but one-year productivity. So where are you on Jalen Hyatt?
2: Yeah, my, my concern is I think he can be a good route runner. He runs a limited route tree. He's a vertical receiver. There's no question that he can get behind the secondary at the SEC level, which is probably the best best athletes uh, in the country playing back there. The concern I have with him is why, with all this ability, he has not been able to do it before. And then all of a sudden, no one really even heard about him in the beginning of the year, and all of a sudden, he goes out there and puts on maybe the best perf- performance that a receiver had against an Alabama defense with uh, what he did in that game, then that caught everybody's attention. But concerns are, why is he only a one-year wonder? Why hasn't he done it in the past? Because he still has the same ability, but something clicked in him. And if you draft him, are you getting that guy that played like he did the second half of the year, or are you getting the guy that's kind of been an underachiever through most of his career at Tennessee?
1: 67 receptions in 2022. He had 41 receptions in the two prior years combined, only four touchdowns combined over those two prior years. And then, of course, he had the 15 touchdowns that we just talked about a second ago. Uh, where are you on Jalen Hyatt, Josh? I know he's your wide receiver seven, but do you like his game? Or do you have any concerns, just one, one thing he does well?
3: Yeah, I like his game a lot. I think he's got immense potential. He would probably rank higher on this list if you were just looking at the potential, but right now, I don't think he's as well-rounded as some of these other guys, so I just had them rated a little bit higher. But a guy with fantastic speed, somebody that does have some elusiveness after the catch, so it's not like he's just this straight-go-route type player that's going to win at the catch points. He has a little bit of wiggle after the catch as well. So I do think he has the potential to develop and become something more in the NFL. We just haven't quite seen it yet to this point.
1: So, Rick, it's easy to say, okay, that guy can just add 10 pounds. But there's a.
2: No, it's not easy to say that, guys. Some guys are just are who they are. They
1: can't add ten pounds. Well, it's easy to say when you're sitting here. I was going to ask you. Yeah,
2: yeah, I saw you the way you ate last week on the road when we went on our tour. (laughs) You you could definitely gain ten pounds a week the way you did. So, Jack, we're pounding meat. We're pounding. I had a healthy breakfast dinner at eleven o'clock at night at uh, Denny's when we got into Columbus, and I seen him. He's got a side order of pancakes. He has sausage. He has bacon he has like eggs he has like hash browns he's got other toast all over the place everywhere on the table (laughs) I mean I'm putting up a shield just trying to do this not to get hit by something it was unbelievable display of athleticism thank you of uh hunger And, uh, of a guy that was very grouchy after having landed Cincinnati and then drive two hours to Columbus,
1: uh, Josh worth noting, he put down the shield he had to put up to block the flying food to eat one of my pancakes just so we're clear about that (laughs) (laughs) just so we're clear just so we're telling the truth but my point is rick so when you're talking to a guy talking about a guy in the draft room and he needs to add five or ten pounds or whatever it's not just a matter of him going to denny's eating a bunch of pancakes at 10 o'clock at night you have to have it has to be good weight number one and number two you have to he has to have the frame to be able to put it on
2: yeah And you have all these sports nutritionists there now and all your protein shakes and guys getting their specialized shakes before and after practice, but you have to be disciplined and want to do that. And to make sure that I'm doing everything, even when I'm not in the building, whether they say, Hey, you got to have an extra meal here or do this here before you go bed at night. Some guys just aren't disciplined once they get outside the building. So that would be something that you would have to really dig down and make sure that, and I know it's a We're not, we're just talking about an underweight guy, but he's not that much underweight. But you like to add him five pounds. That becomes more of a concern, like when we talked about yesterday with uh, uh, Dewan Jones uh, at Ohio State, when he is the other opposite way, uh, because you don't know if he's going home after practice uh, at night and eating three pizzas before he goes to bed,
1: going uh, to Denny's with me
2: Next day. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be, uh, I would consider a candidate for a team nutritionist by any means.
1: Hey, uh, have you ever had a a player that just struggled to gain weight and you had to be on them about doing it and they weren't necessarily dedicated to it?
2: Oh yeah. You, You get it all the time. It's see, and it goes back to Hyatt here. Okay. Is he dedicated enough not only to improve his body weight and do everything on the field but is he dedicated enough to improve on the field because he's just scratched the surface yeah but that red flag to me i can't get it out of my head is that why when you had all this ability nothing why didn't you do it before and that really really bothers me a little bit and sometimes you, you don't want to call him an underachiever because that was a death wish for us because he did have a very productive year uh but and then you Go the other side and you may have the other half of the room saying, well, he's just maturing. He's just understanding what his ability is. And there is nothing but the uh, arrow pointing up on this uh, player and he's going to get better, uh, especially once we get him into an NFL building.
1: And when we talked to him in the combine, you got the sense that he seized the opportunity once he had it. And look, maybe it was a case that last year he knew he wasn't going to play and he didn't try as hard. And this is just me speculating. And then once in 2022 came around and Cedric Tillman got hurt and he said, okay, I'm going to seize this opportunity. And he did just that. We don't know, but.
2: Well, I, yeah, if, that, if you're assuming that and you said that in the draft room, then that's going to be, well, if he's not playing and is he not going to take it serious uh, that's Good, yeah. when he comes into an NFL team. And trying right. to work his way up the depth chart at the receiver position.
1: So I gave you my Mike Wallace comp, and that's just that's sort of lazy because it's straight line, one trick pony guy. But uh, give me your unlazy comp for. Jay I White. went
2: back to a uh, 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 player the Bears drafted in the third round. I'm going deep, and then we signed him as a free agent at Minnesota, Bernard Berrian, mm-hmm. who I think one year averaged 20 yards per catch, which was an NFL record. Uh, I put him. I don't want to. Know if you're going to ask me this, but I'm trying to do what Diebel told me to do since (laughs) he's our boss. Uh, Put him in the Kansas City uh, would be an ideal fit because they lost their speed. They lost uh, Hardman, right? He went to the Jets. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster went to New England. Yep. So they've got Sky Moore who has to step up. They still have MVS. They still have the kid that they traded for Tony. Uh, from the Giants, but he's more of a gadget guy. So I can see maybe Kansas City taking a swing, another vertical deep threat, which they currently don't have.
1: I had a mid to between two and between the middle of the first round and the grade on him. So second round grade.
2: Yeah, I, I think he, technically, if you're you're honest with yourself, I think he's a Friday
1: pick. Yeah, uh, that's right. Josh, how do you feel about that?
3: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the chance, the opportunity for him to get into the first round is probably slipping a little bit, although I do think Kansas City is an ideal fit for the reason that that Rick mentioned, which is they lost Tyree Kill, they lost Miko Hardman, add a little bit more of that speed, some of that ability to get vertical and stretch the field for uh, Travis Kelsey underneath, allow some of that underneath action that they've been using um, over the past year, really with all those gadget guys that they've accumulated.
1: Is there anybody that isn't a good fit in Kansas City's offense?
3: No.
2: Ryan Wilson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder I wonder how many balls I would catch in that offense.
2: Yeah. The, the, James William and Mary Madison.
1: <laughs> there, that's it. Yeah. That's right. All right. Number four. Let's go to Zay Flowers. He's fourth on our list. Rick and Josh had him ranked fourth. I had him ranked third. Josh, I'll go to you first. There's a lot to like about Zay Flowers. He's not tall, so that's a concern. And I know Rick sometimes pushes back when I, when I talk about – shorter wide receivers, but tell me what you like about, say, Flowers.
3: Yeah, I think you just see his footwork and his ability to get off the line of scrimmage, create separation of the stem, all that kind of stuff. You see his ability to elude defenders post-catch. He hasn't had the best quarterback play at Boston College, so you you, you think that he's got a little bit more potential in the NFL when he's given an opportunity to to succeed. Um, With his lack of size, he's probably going to be you know, moved to the slot more regularly. He did have a fair percentage of, of reps on the boundary this past year, but um, a guy that's probably going to move inside to the slot. But I think he do, does have uh, some versatility to work inside out at the next level.
1: So, yeah, Rick, that's the thing I want to ask about. He's 5'9", 182, four four two guy at the Combine. He played more outside than inside at BC, but as Josh noted, he was basically the, the only show in town offensively. Can he play outside in the NFL?
2: Yeah, I think he's ideally in a slot, but I think he has the ability, and he's shown the ability to play outside. Uh, the issue is when there are smaller guys are outside, okay, you want them off the line of scrimmage so you can kind of send them in short motions and things so a corner is not going to just jam him at the line of scrimmage. So you get a sauce gardener on top of him, mm-hmm. and he can't get off the line. So you figure out ways to move him uh, to get him off the line if he's outside, although I do think he has enough quickness uh, in his release, uh, to avoid a jam, but you got a small guy and you got a guy like we just like sauce Gardner, who's long and athletic and just puts his hands on you. Then you're done. That's why everybody wants to move these small guys into the slot. They'll get press, some, but they're usually off the line of scrimmage or they stack them in bunches. So it's hard to, uh, jam them uh, at the line of scrimmage when they get upfield and get their release. But this guy is an excellent football player. And for a guy that had no talent around him, he was the only offensive weapon they had. Struggled with a quarterback play in BC, yet he still continues to produce. And no matter how teams try to take him out of the game, he still found a way to get open and still found a way to make plays.
1: Yeah, and that's actually huge. I would imagine the evaluation process. Cause I, I I'm I'm you've seen it. I've seen it. Josh has seen it. Their wide receivers get frustrated when the quarterback stinks and they're not getting the ball when they should get it. They're not getting the ball when they're open. And you didn't see that from Zay. He just took over games and he sees every opportunity. He also returned seven punts in 2022 for the first time in his career, so he has that ability. At least he has a little experience. We'll see how that plays itself out. And I mentioned he was 5'9", 182, ran a four four two at the Combine. The comp that you have for him, Rick, at the Combine, this player was 5'10", 182, ran a 4-4 flat. He did a pretty
2: yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's got a lot of Tyler Lockett to him, and you've seen the type of career that Tyler has. And everybody says, well, maybe he's not big enough. But what Seattle does with him and how they move him around when he came out of Kansas State, right? When yep. Lockett came out. Uh, he was the one man band at Kansas State <laughs> when he came out. So, uh, Zay reminded me of, that's why I went with Tyler, and I put him in potentially Baltimore. You look at B- Baltimore's receiver situation. Bateman was on IR, I believe, twice. Can't stay healthy. Uh, they just signed Aguilar from uh, Oh yeah, New England. Uh, then they have is it the the kid from uh, Oh uh, Duvernay, the kid from Texas that came out. It's more of a gadget guy. So they need to get some weapons. Maybe if they got this kid in, Lamar Jackson doesn't want to get traded. Um, but absolutely. But this yep. kid could. Uh, Definitely be a legit player, and I thought Baltimore would be the best fit for
1: him. And by the way, when I think of Tyler Lockett, I don't think of him as being a small wide receiver. He looks like he belongs out there, and he's not – he stands up to DK Metcalf, he's, he's small. But in terms of the way he plays, he plays much bigger than 5'10", and I think Zay has that ability as well. Um, I'm going to guess here, bottom of the first, top of the second, is your rank yeah. for Zay? Yep,
2: yep, I do. I think he, I would put him ahead of Hyde if I was going to take one of the two.
1: All right, we all agree on that. All right, let's go to number three. Rick has – Rick and Josh also have this player ranked third. I have him ranked fourth. Jordan Addison, USC, by way of Pitt, had a huge year. He has returnability, can play inside, can play outside. Another guy who plays bigger uh, than he has listed weight and height. And the problem is his listed weight and height, if you see that and nothing else, because he weighed – 173 was 5'11 and 18 of the combine. Ran a quote unquote disappointing 449. I think folks thought he might hit the four threes. But Rick, I'll ask you, is the 449 disappointing given the way his tape looks?
2: A little bit. Um, uh, he okay. does play faster than that. Uh, but when you have that speed and uh it becomes a little concerning that goes along with that weight. Um, so but it's not going to be a uh be all end all determination because he is too good of a football player. He's a very good route runner. I'm sorry, Josh, am I taking your thunder away? This was your guy. I'm not supposed to be talking because I respect everything that you do and all the work (laughs) and effort and film that you put in on this guy. So I will defer, but I think this guy is a, is going to be a
1: really good pro.
3: Okay. What do you think, Josh? No, I was just over here taking notes. You know, um, I will say one thing, because everybody says that he had a worse season this past year than what we had seen from Pittsburgh. One thing that I was encouraged by is the fact that his drop rate has diminished each of the past two years. So when he was at Pittsburgh, it was an 11.5% drop rate in 2020, 76 in 2021, he gets to USC, it goes all the way down to 2.1%. So you see his ability to catch the ball a little more, bit more cleanly, The way that they used him at or near the line of scrimmage, um, giving him the opportunity to make plays post-catch, I think is what he does well, but he did play some reps on the boundary as well, similar to Isaiah Flowers. Um, 72.2% of his targets were out wide, 24.1% came out of the slot, so even though he is a little bit slight of frame, somebody that you don't necessarily want against these bigger physical cornerbacks, he has some exposure to playing on the boundary, somebody that is going to be able to play inside out for you at the next level and allow you to do some different things with your offensive scheme.
1: And your comp is an interesting one. I just looked up his combine numbers, 5'11", 197. I mean, no one's going to waste 173, so he's a little heavier than than uh, Addison was at the combine. But it ran a four four two. This guy had a fantastic career. Who's your comp for Jordan?
3: Yeah, this one was difficult because Addison is a little bit of an outlier with his height-to-weight ratio. Um, <laughs> so I've am I, heard- by the way. Yeah, yeah. likewise. Um, I've heard Rick's comparison of Devontae Smith, and I think that's probably in the realm of what you're looking at. Um, I don't think he's quite as dynamic as, as Devontae Smith is, so I went with Greg Jennings, who is a much bigger, heavier player than Addison was, but somebody that was used at or around the line of scrimmage early in his career and really developed his niche for attacking vertically later into his career. So I think Addison is good fit. Uh, you know, a good comparison there, even though the body types, the, the physical profile doesn't necessarily match.
1: And uh draft range. What do you got?
3: I think you're probably looking at late to uh, late first round, early second round somewhere in there, because I don't think he's quite as high um, at least on my personal list as these two guys that we're about to talk about.
1: So, Rick, let me ask you this. If Jordan Addison, would you rather Jordan Addison weigh 185 and everything stay the same? Or would you rather him have run a 4.39 and the measurables would remain what they actually are?
2: Well, I'd rather have the speed. Okay. Uh, you know, because there are lean guys. Uh, and that's why I did the body comparison to, to Monte Smith a little right. bit. But, right. But uh, that's shocked me a little bit where I was disappointed in. The 40 that he ran, although I do think he plays faster. But I thought he knew how to get open like Devontae did and, and made a lot of catches and he was elusive after the catch, a lot of things that the Devontae did. He just, you know, verified now that he's not as fast.
1: So he's ranked third on your list and Josh's list as well. He's fourth on mine. I would imagine that the fact that he's ranked third, both you guys, Rick, I'm asking you because suggest, Josh, going in round one.
2: I think bottom. I think some teams will get concerned with the four, four nine. Uh, in the weight, so I can see him dropping some. That's not a great receiver class in this first round.
1: It is wild. We live in a world where people are disappointed with a 449. I mean, that's pretty fast. Really?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, if you weigh 200, but not if you weigh 173.
1: (laughs) Wow. Welcome to 2023. All right, fair enough. I mean, granted, look, when we saw the time live, no one was was doing – jump leaps of joy that people thought it would be closer to the four, three than four, four. So I get it. But at the end of the day, the tape says something differently, but you got to sort all that out. That's why we're going through the draft process here. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll Come back and hit our top two guys. And then Rick's top 10 for the last five years. this, All right. We're down to the top two, Rick and Josh, this is your number one wide receiver. This is my number two wide receiver. And I, I think it's pretty clear who's who's left on the list, but we'll get to that in a moment. Josh, TCU's Quentin Johnston had a great season. Uh, the quarterback play improved, although I think Max Duggan didn't do it himself any favors over the, the pre-draft process, but that's a, a conversation for another time. 6'2 and 6'8 is what Quentin Johnston measured at the combine, 208 pounds. He didn't run at the combine. I haven't seen his pro day numbers, but he plays fast on tape. I would guess 4'5 or lower. No, he's
2: in four fours.
1: Okay. I a 4'4. Okay.
2: He's in the 4'4. Four I said 4'5 or lower. Four. Threes and he has four or fives.
1: Oh boy, that's rich. All right, we'll see. I'll, I'll see the, I'll check the Dollar. All right, put it on the list, Debo. I'll check the TC pro day numbers. If you cheated, then the, the, the bet's off if the TC pro day has already happened. Josh, tell me why you like Quentin Johnson, why he's your number one um, wide receiver in the draft class.
3: I think it's just a combination of size and speed. I mean, like he talked about nearly six foot three, two hundred and eight pounds, somebody that is going to run very fast. I mean, we can argue about what he's going to run, but it's going to be fast relative to his size. Uh, 40-inch vertical jump. He had a 11 2 broad jump, somebody that's incredibly explosive. He can win down the field on the boundary, but he's somebody that has shown the ability to, uh, you know, elude defenders after the catch as well. He's not a one-trick pony where Um, similar to Jalen Hyatt, like I said, where he's just going to be this go ball, win at the catch point type guy. He's got some elusiveness after the catch, but he's also got that size that you're kind of missing from Hyatt. So we've seen some really fantastic games from Johnston, needed to be a little bit more consistent at the next level. But again, somebody with a little bit of exposure to the slot, as well as his predominant play on the boundary. So he has some of that slot fade ability. Uh, You can play him on the boundary, win at the catch point, all of that kind of stuff, but what really intrigues me is just the potential of what he could become if all of this rounds into form and he becomes the player that his physical profile suggests he can be.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like he's been a wide receiver one throughout the fall and for much of the pre-draft process through the All-Star Games, and then I fell for the old switcheroo. We'll talk about that in a second. But Ricky hasn't done anything to hurt himself throughout this, going back to August, right? No,
2: no. And he continues, uh, you know, he was their big play threat and he's got incredible ability to track the ball down the field. And he's going to get a lot of shots down the field at the next level because he's fast and he can, and he can go by corners. And I think he'll be able to go by corners at this level as well. The thing that really intrigued me the most is this kid's after catchability that he can really drop his weight and elude and avoid. And, and we all, we've said this before, he's got a big receiver with little receiver movement skills after the catch. And uh, my biggest negative on him was some of the concentration drops. He has a tendency to turn his head and try to get it upfield before he secures the catch. That can be corrected with coaching and get cleaned up a little bit. But I think this guy has the highest ceiling out of all these receivers that we're talking about. You got an opportunity to hit on someone pretty big. And when you look at guys like this, you know, these fast, tall guys, a lot of them are straight line. I wasn't a huge fan of the Baylor kid that the Jets took in the first round. Was it Mims? A couple Denzel, Mims. Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims, because he was super fast, but he was straight line, but he was really stiff through his lower body. And you can see the stiffness when he had to adjust. This kid is flexible in his upper body, flexible in his lower body, big, fast, and athletic.
3: So Rick, I, Rick go have ahead, a, I have a question because I'm I'm kind of curious about this. We look at the history of the big 12 wide receivers taken in the draft class. Do teams have any kind of hesitancy to go back to the well when we've kind of seen all of these early picked wide receivers out of the big 12 kind of struggle to make that transition to the next level?
2: Yeah, you kind of you you always go back, but you got to try to judge each of these kids individually still you don't want to automatically eliminate a kid because there's been some bust out of the big 12 the little uh especially the baylor receivers i don't really remember a true baylor receiver coming out that had a lot of production but it was because of their scheme and those guys you know they were told like when you watch the baylor tape back in the day um why is this guy not running off the line of scrimmage every snap? Well, they were told that's the time you get rest. So we're going to throw to the right side. So the left side take time off and just jog off the line of scrimmage. And we would ding the hell out of them because they weren't coming humming off the line of scrimmage. But even if you looked at there was a slot receiver, there was a Coleman that came out of yeah. Baylor, too. Yeah. That was also another bus. So. Way
1: overdrafted by the Browns. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, you know, some may say, well, uh, I don't know if you consider Rager or a bust yet or not that came out of TCU.
1: Hold on. Let me stop you there. Debo, what do you think about Jalen Rager, who was drafted by the Eagles one pick before the Justin Jefferson guy went to the Rick's Minnesota Vikings?
3: Yeah, I can, I can confirm,
1: Rick. He's a bust. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. You got it, Rick. You got it from well, the horse's mouth. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's amazing. I had enough time to put down his umbrella drink on the beach and a- answer a question on this podcast.
1: He's still a little sour about that one. Uh, by the way, Taequann Thornton was just drafted last year in the second round by the Patriots out of Baylor. And I thought that was overdrafted. Our buddy Pete Prisco liked Taekwon coming out. He was hurt for a lot of last year, so we don't know. But the track record is, I think, fair to say spotty. Yes. Yeah.
2: And but I think this kid's different than some of those kids that we talked about. Right.
1: No, I think that's right, too. Uh, it, it feels that way. You, you hope it's that, that way for him. And, uh, Rick, I just got this uh, update. TCU pro day is March 30th, so I will be driving from Gainesville over to TCU to see our guy run in person, and I will report back to you when he runs a 4.49 and you have to pay me 100 pennies.
2: Okay, yeah. I, well, make sure you take a stopwatch because you didn't have a stopwatch. You didn't have binoculars at the Senior Bowl <laughs> as he went to one pro day in his life. Syracuse. Where was that?
1: Right. It was the, <laughs> by the way, Josh, this man every time he talks about the one pro day I went to prior to last week, he laughs. At the Syracuse Pro Days.
2: Not is, at the Syracuse Pro Day. you you only going to one Pro Day in your uh, illustrious career that you have had here at CBS. What it's, better place to start? Wait, draft analyst
1: What better place to start than Central New York's Syracuse Orange. All right, uh, Josh, give me a comp and a draft range for our guy Quentin Johnson. Maybe a good fit team-wise, too.
3: Yeah, again, a little bit of a uh, difficult skill set to project, just because he does have this, you know, kind of rare combination of size and speed. But I went with Alshon Jeffrey, who was six foot three, two hundred sixteen pounds. You know, that, that has that um, bigger frame, but also the ability to make plays after the catch as well as win at the catch points. Uh, so I went with Alshon Jeffrey.
1: Hey, Rick, did you have a comp for him off the top of your head?
2: I think I. Um... remember who i had the comps since uh but i thought this kid was a little twitchier than jeffrey um you know into and out of his cuts jeffrey had great uh body control he had a large catching radius i thought this kid was a little twitchier i i probably would have went with the um just off the top of my head if i'm thinking of anyone i gave this kid t higgins is who he reminded me oh yeah that was a good one
1: yeah you know what i gave him and I, I can I'll guess Josh that, that Rick won't like this one, but I, I wrote this down back when I watched him in the fall. A little Braylon Edwards.
2: Oh, come on. Yeah, there it is.
1: There it is. First round pick Braylon Edwards. That's good. Yeah, he he was a killer. Oh, he went to Michigan. That's why you don't like him. Okay. I see where it is. All right, middle of the first round, it feels like where Quentin goes. I'll ask you first, Josh, and I'll I'll follow up with you, Rick. Is he the first wide receiver off the board?
3: I'm going to say no, just because of how uh, the first guy on our list has performed. I think you would be very uh, hard to to pass on uh, the guy that we have on top of the list. But I think Quentin Johnston certainly has a chance just, again, beating a dead horse uh, because of the size and the speed that he does have, the potential that he has at the next level. I think that there are probably some teams that would uh, make that leap of faith if they were in that position.
1: Rick, you have a great track record of of taking wide receivers, and I, you haven't come off the fact Quentin Johnson's been your guy. You take him first?
3: Yeah, but I think that uh,
2: what will be discussed in the draft meetings is the next guy we're going to talk about, Teaser. He's from Ohio State, and he didn't play this year because he had a hamstring <laughs> that was uh, dragging on the ground most of the year, but all of a sudden... Got... i
1: making excuses for him. Okay.
2: But I think you're going to bet on the come on this kid because I have I think he has a higher higher ceiling, than the next kid does, although I think the next kid is ready to to play right away.
1: Interesting. Okay. Well, let's get to the number one guy here. Jackson Smith and Jigba, as you mentioned, only played three games last year. Hamstring injury, had five receptions. The year before, he led that team that included Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr. in receptions. And C.J. Stroud and Garrett Wilson told us at the Super Bowl, when we spoke to them on set, that they both thought he was the best receiver on that team back in 2021. And we finally got to see him in person. At the Ohio State Pro Day last week, he did the drills at the Combine, but he didn't run. He ran last week as well. Uh, On the field, there were some unofficial times from scouts at 4.50, 4.52. I think the official came in at 4.48. Either way, as you said at the time, Rick, fast enough. And the way he ran the 40, the catching uh, he did on C.J. Stroud's Pro Day, and the short area quickness drills that he did at the Combine, all are arrows pointing up for you on Jackson and the Jigler, right? Yeah,
2: he continues to spiral upward through this process, and everybody was down on him because he wasn't able to play. Uh, but what he's done through this pre-draft process and then ran what he ran at the uh, Ohio State Pro Day, I can very easily see him potentially being the first receiver off the board. He's probably the most pro-ready just because of his ability to run routes. Is savvy, knows how to get open. Uh, He's not going to be a a legitimate vertical threat like maybe Johnston will be, uh, but he can get open because he uses double moves to set up DBs. He's just got a natural feel for the position and excellent hands. And so I think this kid has the – if you want a for-sure thing, then you're probably going to take him. If you want a guy that you want to bet on to come, that has a higher upside and a potential big play receiver down the field, then you're going to go with Johnson, But I, Johnston, I know both of those conversations will be going on in draft rooms.
1: All right, Rick, I'll ask you this, and I'll ask Josh the same question. Rank the wide receivers that you want on your team starting day one, and unfairly, two of these guys have already played in the league, but Olave, Garrett Wilson, or Jackson Smith and Jigba?
2: Probably Garrett Wilson. And then who? Then
3: probably this kid, and then Ooh. Olave.
1: Ooh. All right, Josh, what do you got? This is
3: strictly based on them coming out of college, right?
1: Yeah, if or, you can if you can do that.
3: Uh, yeah, I'll I'll actually same order as Rick. I'll go Garrett Wilson, uh, Smith and Jigba, Ben Alave.
1: Jeez. Well, joke's on you because I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr., so I win.
3: <laughs> <laughs> do you think there was – watching Jackson, Smith and Jigba out there running those routes for CJ Stroud, do you think it hurt him a little bit having Marvin Harrison Jr. out there as well? It felt like uh, a lot of eyes were being drawn in that direction.
1: Um, what do you think, Rick? I didn't get that sense. I think people were oh, just, saying-
3: no. Josh, you were back in the corner with the parents and everybody. <laughs> That's true. Been- I may not have been able to <laughs> see, uh, they and Ryan were <laughs> able to,
2: this Ryan came through me. We were able to get right out there and, uh, be right on top of these guys and, and to, uh, really get in the evaluation. Yeah. Everybody's going up because that kid is uh Marvin Harrison jr. Is probably going to be a top five pick and maybe, the first player off the board that is a non-quarterback next wow. year. So um, that's unfair to say that, but everybody still wants to make sure they have the right evaluation on Smith and the jig, but he can't, you know, like Ryan, for example, when he gets his pay raise here at CBS for this podcast, he can start thinking about he's driving his 1975 Bronco right now, but he's thinking about that Ferrari that he's going to be able to afford Ferrari. next year.
1: Wait a second. What, what pay raise am I getting where I'm getting a Ferrari?
2: Uh, Debo told me they got a little something special for you. All
1: right. I look forward to that, but that's actually an interesting question, Josh. And that one that I thought about, because I was just relieved to see Jackson Smith and Jigba out there going through routes and and the fact that he ran the four or five range four four eight, whatever it was. And I think, Probably teams felt similarly that okay, we can check that box and don't have to worry about him anymore. Because, like I said to Rick, if he ran a four or six, then we got to have a conversation about what that means, and you don't have to worry about it. So, that's our ranking: Jackson Smith and Jigbo, Ohio State first, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison.
2: That's your ranking. That isn't all of our rankings. You're, you're trying to the aggregate aggregate right? ranking,
1: okay, based on the Devo scoring system. Jay Flowers four, Jalen Hyde fifth. If you want to see the individual rankings. Well, uh, send Rick Spielman a tweet and he now knows how to.
2: Tweet how come to a- my tweet isn't on my name?
1: You have to fill that out yourself. I don't know if Debo does that. So that's no. on you. <laughs> I'll show you how to do it after the show. Uh, Debo is now putting up Rick's historical rankings because Debo has things to do that doesn't involve us talking about Twitter. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the rankings of the last five draft classes. And you I'll tell you
2: just justify this that it was them, not as pros them coming out coming to out. make sure because that's what the assignment was.
1: That's right. You did that with the running back class. and go back and watch that and the quarterback class as well. So as they were leaving college, preparing for the NFL, this is how Rick is grading these players. And here's some of the guys that didn't even make the list. Rick had a whole list of guys uh, to consider for this top 10. Calvin Ridley, Hollywood Brown, Debo, Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Jerry Judy, Somehow Jalen Rager is, is number one on this list, Rick. So you, you cut him out. He was the first cut. Drake London's another one. Chris Olave, Jameson Williams. I would guess Jameson Williams was because of the ACL, because as he came out, obviously he got hurt in that January bowl game. But, Rick, let's start at number 10. Jackson and jibwa makes the list. And as we talk, talked about, this draft class in 2023 isn't as deep as previous draft classes, and yet he still found his way under this top 10.
2: Yeah, and I just was, like we talked about earlier, I just was impressed with this kid's maturity as a player. And then I think his game will come up and uh, be able to make an impact right away for whatever team ends up drafting him. And I think that everybody wants to label him as a slot only. I think he has an opportunity to potentially be more than just a slot.
1: And at number nine, T. Higgins. T Higgins is a great example of a player that I liked a lot in college. As, as we went through the draft process, I let myself get talked into the fact that he ran a four or five something at, at his pro day or the combine or whatever. And I was con- and I was talked into and this is my fault. I, OK, he's not fast enough to create separation consistently. He's a really good football player. And a lot of times the tape is all that is what you need to be putting most of your energy in. He might run a four or five for whatever reason. at his pro day. It doesn't mean he's not a good football yeah. player.
2: Are you sure about that?
1: Which part? The four five, yeah, I'll check. But there, there were reasons that I, I was came off the fact that I thought he was good during the draft process, and that he couldn't run. And T. Higgins is, oh, he didn't run at the combine. I have to look it up. Yeah, so I'll get back up. to you on that. Yeah. Um, why? What do you think he ran? I think he ran in the four fours. Then why? Then there's I, that's not even a, a worse indictment of, of me being wrong. No,
2: no, Just no respect your uh, opinion <laughs> and how hard you work at this and how many your evaluations. It's it's amazing. You amaze me every time I come on this podcast.
1: See that, Josh? That's what I'm talking about. All right, number eight, Jahan Dotson, which is an interesting one, Rick, because he's a little guy. I, you... I, I love this kid when he came out. Uh, All right, tell me why you love him. Because...
2: because this was a little guy that made so many big plays down the field, and I remember watching him play live versus Maryland. Uh, when he came out. And just for a small guy, he had the ability to go up and get the ball. He won some contested catches down the field. He had natural hands. He was smooth after the catch. I know he's little, um, but I thought this guy was one of the most polished receivers I've seen coming out in a while.
1: All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who was a small receiver that you drafted that exceeded your expectations?
2: Geez, after 31 years?
1: Yeah, just one. (laughs) (laughs) 5'9". <laughs> Did you draft any 5'9", guys?
2: I can't remember. I'd have to go back and, and look through that.
1: That's fine. Uh, number seven, Quentin Johnson, who is not short. 6'2", and 6'8", I believe is what I said. We talked about him already. Devonta Smith, uh, you didn't care that he weighed 120 pounds soaking wet?
2: No, not the way he ran and the way he caught in his as tough-as-nails. This kid was uh, the, one of the most competitive receivers that I've seen on the field. Uh, just wanting the ball, One. Every time it was a big moment in the game, he wanted to be. Give me the ball, and this kid had the utmost confidence in his ability to play. And uh, I just loved the way he competed.
1: Number five, Jalen Waddle, another small guy. I'm seeing I'm a sense of the theme here, Rick. Um, Waddle's speed and returnability probably got your attention.
2: Yeah, it did because not only can he play slot receiver, but he can win games for you as a returner.
1: So Garrett Wilson is four. I love Garrett Wilson coming out. I wasn't as high on Chris Olave. Chris Olave had a great rookie season. Chris Olave, as I mentioned, did not make this list. Why did you like Garrett better than Olave?
2: He was a better athlete to me. Both of them can run. Olave, I think, only had a 32-inch vertical jump when he came out, which is a little concerning for me. The last receiver with that kind of speed that came out was Curtis Conway when I was way back in Chicago in the 90s that was extremely fast out of USC. But did not have a great vertical jump, so the concern I had with Alave was: Is he going to go up and be able to get contested catches by his vertical jump when he had to go up over top of a DB? But he was a quicker, really good route runner, quicker than heck, and uh, you know he's had he had a good rookie year. But I thought Garrett Wilson had more upside. Like we talked about with Quinton Johnston, is that I don't think this kid reached the ceiling yet, and he's just getting better. And that's a kid that kind of took off his last year at Ohio State and then just took it to another level with the
1: Jets this year. And I think he's just scratching the surface. Yeah, when Aaron Rodgers gets there, it might be a different story for sure. C.D. Lamb is number three on the list. I love C.D. coming out. Has focus drops that he still occasionally struggles with, but he's a fantastic athlete. Um, He's great in space. He's not stiff at all. I know you you have concerns about that. Any issues with C.D. Lamb in terms of things? Some
2: of the drops that he had college but he he was a man now uh <laughs> big 12 and, yeah. uh, you know he did a lot of things with the ball in his hand he was a you know he was a big guy that you can use on some gadget plays as well they did they, they tried to get the ball and he was the focal point of their offense and uh jalen Hurst, i believe was the quarterback for him if i'm not mistaken and uh did a phenomenal job and we really did like CD. We had a lot of discussions in that draft room between CD and Justin.
3: Ooh.
1: Ooh. Yeah. So CD had, um, I'm pretty sure he had Jalen and then he had Kyler before that. Justin Jefferson's number two, you just mentioned him. He's one of the best players in the NFL somehow fell uh, to late in the first round, to pick 22. Let me double-check. Pick 21. Oh, that's right. The Eagles took Jalen Rager. And number one, Jamar Chase. Is Jamar Chase one of the best wide receivers you've ever seen, or is that too much?
2: Yeah. No, that was... He was a generational receiver when okay. we broke him down. Now, he... You know, we had the COVID year. I don't believe he played the year of COVID. How but,
1: angry were you that he opted out?
2: Uh Well, I was... uh You don't know on a pandemic, so a lot of guys got passes on... Oh, that's good. Things like that, so... I'm glad that's kind of hard to, uh, <laughs> you know. Say okay, you know, my mother's a nurse. I can't afford to get COVID or whatever the situation. There's a lot right. of situations out there that I heard that felt very bad for people.
1: Oh, good. All right, that's good. All right. So Justin's two on your list. Obviously, you drafted him in the first round. So Jamar Chase was higher on the draft board. Would have been higher on the draft board had he come out that same year. CD. So this, I mean, this is the draft list. So I can go through it. CD wasn't above Justin coming out for you. Because you I
2: would I'm not going to tell you what was on our board. I said we had a lot of very interesting conversations between those two. We liked Ooh. C D Lamb a lot.
1: All right. Hey, Josh, any name on this list that you would have liked to have seen or that feels like it's too high that's on the list?
3: Um, no, nothing that is like drastic. I was a little bit lower on Jahan Dotson, um, but not to the point where it's just this significant outlier. Okay. What? what about you, Ryan? You sit there and just
2: sit back and hide behind your mic. Don't give opinions. What's your <laughs> What's your thought on this?
1: Uh, hold on. I'm, I'm Googling T. Higgins 40 time. Uh I, I mean, I, Jamar Chase is a layup. Justin Jefferson, in, in hindsight, a layup. And we've talked about this before. Justin Jefferson played mostly in the slot his junior year, but he played out wide the year prior. So that was one of the questions coming out. I love C.D. Lamb. I like Garrett Wilson better than Olave. And I actually said to Garrett Wilson at the Combine, his Combine, I said, who's going to run faster, you or Chris? And he said, Olave is. Yes. And I think Garrett beat him by 1-100 of a second. And Jalen Waddle was undersized. I like Devonta Smith better um, because I didn't care about the fact that he was skinny. And I have trouble separating what these players have done in the pros, um, going back and, and rewinding the tape. So for me to put Quentin Johnson and Jackson Smith and Jigbon here is tough. Um, and by the way, four five four is Higgins 40-time. Okay. 31 inch vertical so again you know that's not reason to change your opinion it should be part of the process but i let myself get talked into to hey it's not being a good football player even though the tape said otherwise so that that's is it. a
2: lesson for everybody out there aspiring young scouts go with what you see on tape absolutely Some stuff just tries to verify it or creates conversation but always comes back to what you see on tape
1: yeah lesson learned there for sure all right, that is a wrap, guys. We did it. We made it through wide receivers. I'm going to have to go upstairs and let this puppy out of you if he hasn't torn up my house already. Uh, the good news is you guys don't have puppies, so you don't have to worry about it. That's a wrap on episode 30. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Thanks, as always, for the support. And Rick and I will be in Gainesville, Florida, on Thursday. We'll be doing a, a post-Pro Day reaction podcast to Anthony Richardson and Osiris Torrance and Jervon Dexter and whoever else pops on the field so look forward to that thanks as always to my guy Rick thanks as always to my guy Josh thanks to Devo for producing we'll see you guys on Thursday